0: If you've ever read any articles from companies or influences that gave you food for thought or some really interesting insight, chances are a ghostwriter wrote it. We sat down with Sarah Feister-Gale, a freelance journalist and ghostwriter, to talk about what it's like to be behind the scenes as a writer in tech and project management, creating all of the content with none of the glory. I'm Margaret.
1: And I'm Alexa, and you're listening to Not Your CEO's Insights. Every episode, you'll get fresh perspectives on topics in tech, project management, and everything in between.
0: Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome. Thank you for having me. One of the things I wanted to get us started with was just asking about what is ghostwriting? Why would someone contact a perfect stranger to represent their company and write articles for them?
2: Well, usually I'm not a perfect stranger. A lot of times the people I work for have read my work or I've done other writing for them. Um, Usually they come to me because they have a lot of big ideas and either they don't have the time, the talent or the confidence to write it themselves. Lots of people can write badly, but very few people write well enough to publish in their name. Or feel confident in the way that they write to put it out there like that. So that's where I come in.
1: So when you say people have read your work, technically, if you're ghostwriting, how do you maintain your portfolio or how do people actually, I guess, see that you wrote it?
2: Sure. Well, I do a lot of byline work as well. I've been a journalist for about 20 years, so my name and my byline is all over the web. And I... I've written for a lot of different industries. So when I first started ghostwriting, um, typically it would come from that. Either uh, someone would read something i had written or perhaps an organization hired me to write for their magazine and then suggested maybe I start doing white papers or they had an opportunity for one of their experts to write a bylined article in a trade magazine and asked if I could write it for them. And it sort of built from there.
0: Awesome. So you mentioned you've written for a couple of different industries. So where did your career start? Has it evolved over time into what industries are most in demand of ghostwriters? It has. Uh, My career has been very weird um, in terms of the
2: topics that I cover. I'm very good at writing about things that I have no business writing about. I'm really good at getting experts to explain things to me and then translating what can sometimes be very technical or complicated into engaging conversational content. So I have written a lot about the training industry and education. I've written a lot about workforce technology, um, pharma, clean rooms, nanotech, urban infrastructure. I write a lot about project management. So it's really, it's just evolved. I don't really even know how, but If you need something written, chances are I can write about it.
1: By far, what has been your favorite industry to cover or write about? And then how do you prepare to, you know, get into that role where, you know, say you haven't wrote about that industry before or know nothing about it? How do you prepare yourself to write on that subject?
2: Well, I really like writing about project management and training um, because they're not verticals right so if i'm writing about project management i might write about it projects one day and bridge projects the next day and wind farms the next day so it allows me to develop a lot of expertise across a lot of industries through that thread of project management so that's kind of how it evolved
1: Do you freelance or do you still have a nine to five? What does your day look like?
2: (laughs) Uh, I am 100% freelance. I work full time for myself. I probably have five to 10 clients at any given time. And fairly evenly split between bylined work and ghostwriting work. So, I'll spend a lot of my time writing articles for magazines on trends in some of the, the industries that we just talked about, um, and I'll spend the rest of my time ghostwriting for executive experts, really anybody who who wants a
0: blog or a white paper or a bylined article. So. I'm not saying that your experience is going to be the experience of every freelancer, but I think freelance is one of those things that uh, intrigues a lot of people with, you know, do you get up early? Do you work first thing in the morning and then take the rest of the day off? Like, what does your day typically look like? Um, Well, I am very
2: deadline driven. I get a little uh, hyper anxious about it, which is super useful in my line of work. I get up about 6.30 every morning, and once my youngest is off to school, I start writing. So I'm usually working by seven. I mean, it depends on how much work I have, but unless I'm crazy busy by three, I usually burn out. And then I quit working for the rest of the day. I might answer some emails. Um, I typically work on the weekends if I have extra work to do, but only for a few hours here and there.
1: Do you think tech could be a little bit dry? And if so, how do you get past that writer's block?
2: Well, usually people are really passionate about the work that they do. So it's not that hard to get excited about it. You know, I certainly have dry pieces. I once wrote a 3000 word article about trends in Q-tip manufacturing. (laughs) (laughs) Still the hardest thing I've ever written. Um, But no, I mean, if I talk to, to a project manager who's building a bridge, They're so excited about the innovations that they're implementing, Um, you know, or an IT guy who's building an app. It can be boring stuff, but when you listen to what they're excited about and you try to replicate their voice, whether I'm quoting them in an article or whether I'm speaking for them in a blog, as long as you can tap into that passion, it's usually pretty interesting.
0: So do your subjects tell you what kind of tone they want you to take? Like, hey, I tend to be really casual and, you know, feel free to put swear words in there. Or do do they tell you, you know, "Um, hey, I'm super formal. So I'd like as many semicolons in your work as possible. Or is it sort of up to you to get to know them?
2: A lot of times, especially if I'm writing a blog. So so companies will hire me to write blogs and then it will be bylined by their experts. Right. So we'll set up a phone Mm -hmm. interview and a lot of time it's me educating them about what's appropriate language and tone for a blog right so if i'm interviewing a scientist but the audience are business people we'll talk about that in the beginning i know you can talk endlessly about cartilage cell therapies or whatever but we want to really tell them why they should care um, but after that, the process is really just getting them comfortable enough to tell me whatever story they want to tell me. And then I, ta- I shorthand everything they say. And a big part of that process is capturing the cadence and words that they use. So everybody has favorite terms. And if I can grab enough of those and get a kind of sense of their, are they super chatty? Do they curse? Do they speak in really serious business tones? I can usually replicate that in the blog.
0: Have you ever had a story of someone reading your work and going, that doesn't sound like me at all. You totally got this wrong. Sure. I mean, some people
2: who I write blogs for barely read it. They're just thrilled that someone else has written it for them. Um, And they're so excited to have it done. And then others will nitpick their way through it. And I occasionally will have four rounds of edits on a blog. And ultimately, I say to the author, your name's going on this. So if you want to change every word, change every word. My goal is to make this as easy for you as possible to get your words in print. So I don't take it Personally, usually I'll just take what they change and try to make it as appealingly narrative as possible, because often when I get those kinds of edits or feedback, they're tending to add a lot of detail and a lot of technical stuff that may not be appropriate for that audience.
0: That was kind of what I was... Thinking about that, uh, you're doing your best to make it as approachable as possible. And they'll say, but wait a minute, you left out this best part about the term that no one's going to understand but me. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And I get that. I also get that a lot from tech people. They
2: get very excited about the technology, and I try to focus them on the problem they're solving with that technology. Usually it works, but sometimes they just pull me back.
0: It's a balance. I love that. See, that would be an approach that I would really appreciate reading. Do you think that most ghostwriters struggle with that exact balance, or is that one of the differentiators you bring to the table that you really do want to help elevate their writing to be approachable? You
2: know, I I honestly don't talk to that many ghostwriters, so I'm sure everybody has their own approach. Um, I work from home. I like sitting alone in my house and writing all day, so I don't network a lot with other writers, but it's certainly the goal, right, to replicate a person's voice. I mean, they're hiring me to be the voice of that person, not to be my own voice and attach their name to it. I think I have been successful at it, which is why I get a lot of ghostwriting jobs. I imagine can be difficult for some writers to let go of their own voice. I think that can be hard with journalism or with ghostwriting. You want to introduce yourself into the story. And that's not really the point.
0: So there isn't a a networking group called Ghostwriters Anonymous? (laughs) There (laughs) there are actually a lot of journalism networking groups and
2: meetups and ample opportunities for me to go out and interact with other writers. I just, I like to spend as many days as possible without wearing shoes as I can, so.
0: (laughs) I love it.
1: So I wanted to know what for you would you say is the most difficult part about ghostwriting.
2: Um you know it's become so commonplace in my day I don't find it to be that difficult overall. I think the challenge can sometimes be people get roped into these calls. So I as I said I typically will interview an executive or an expert on some corporate team and then write the blog in their voice and a lot of times they will have gotten dragged into this process with no warning or understanding of what's going on, and then I just start peppering them with questions. So it can take a while for us to find the thread, um, it can take a while for me to find a hook in the story that they're trying to tell. Sometimes they get very salesy, um, a lot of times it can be hard for, for executives to stop trying to pitch the company or the product and really just tell me a story because the goal is always to establish them as thought leaders um, and to create something that adds value for the reader. So I guess that's it, just steering them in the right direction and making them understand what the goal is so they can tell the right story.
1: I think that kind of answers the question, like how would ghostwriting help a business achieve their business goals, um, especially within the tech space?
2: Well, again, I think, It depends on the ghostwriter and who's managing the project. Um, I find that a lot of times if marketing or PR agencies are in charge, they can tend to get a lot more markety. They feel obligated to have a pitch woven into the story Ghost-written blogs and bylined articles are typically designed to create thought leaders, right, to showcase your people, to help them build their social footprint, and to demonstrate that your company or your people have expertise in the topics that your customers are interested in. Um, So if a customer is reading a blog and it's all about why your products are so great, they're not going to keep reading it and they're going to be annoyed that they started it in the first place. But if they read a blog that gives them some ideas of how they can address a business problem today, that adds value for them. And that, as a result, gives them a stronger feeling of confidence in the brand.
0: And we'll be right back after this quick break. Tired of tracking
1: email threads? Too many Excel sheets to function? Sounds like you need PI Team, Project Insight's free project management software. Connect your teams and aggregate your data in one centralized place for free. Sign up today at projectinsight.net
0: forward slash team. Do you think of yourself as a journalist or where do you fall ghostwriters versus pieces that you, yeah that you'd send to a, an article a magazine or a newspaper on your own so uh
2: I think of myself as both I as I said I spend probably half my time doing bylined work and half of it doing ghostwriting or related non-bylined work and I'm at a point in my career where I have enough bylined work that it speaks for itself have you written your own book yet I have written two novels that I'm proud of, one novel that I'm not proud of, but neither of them were published, much to my dismay. You know, I sometimes I get very excited about fiction and decide that I'm gonna do another novel and I may write another novel this year, but financially it's a really tricky decision. So it takes hundreds of hours to write a novel, and there's no guarantee it's gonna get published. So that's a lot of work and time to invest in that process. And I have friends who have successfully written novels and it transformed their lives. And and it's the dream of all of us, right? To have a Mm -hmm. successful published novel, but it's also exhausting and heart-wrenching to write a novel, especially if you don't know if it's gonna get published.
0: So is it now, forgive me for this analogy, but is it almost like the the working actor who you recognize their face everywhere and yet they're not? strikingly famous. It's like, I'm, I'm a working actor in Hollywood. I couldn't ask for a better career.
2: Uh, I mean, I don't think writers are ever really recognized and there's certainly, I was, I was at a conference recently and I met a guy who founded Fast Company. I just fangirled all over him. It was very embarrassing because, you know, he's telling these hilarious stories about interviewing Michelle Obama and, you know, Beyonce and, like, hilarious interview stories. And then I start to think, God, why didn't I put push harder? Why didn't I move to New York and work for some fancy magazine? You know, it was exciting to have bylines in the beginning of my career, and now I'm kind of over it. I'm all over the internet. If I get sad, I can Google myself and make myself feel better. (laughs) (laughs) But other than that, I'm good without the recognition.
0: So actually, that does bring me to the thought about you know some people if they knew how prevalent ghostwriting was might feel I don't know bamboozled that there's a bit of a, a unethical side of well I thought the CEO really was this eloquent so what's your thought of people who think it's it's not exactly upfront?
2: It sort of seems naive to think that all these executives are sitting down every afternoon to write a thoughtful blog, but they're not my words. It's not my ideas that. I'm writing, it's theirs. So I'll spend an hour on the phone with a CEO who tells me how excited he is about some new business trend or a conference he just went to. And all I'm doing is boiling that down and turning it into a blog that creates a narrative around the story he was trying to tell. So they're all his words or her words. It's just, I'm the one who wrote them if
1: businesses want to go out and find a ghostwriter, what are your suggestions for that approach to find like a ghostwriter that's really a fit for the company?
2: Yeah, that can be tricky because uh, as we know, nobody's byline is on ghostwritten articles. I think that a lot of freelance journalists probably also do ghostwriting and it's certainly worth reaching out that way. Talking to people who have strong blogs, you know, in your network, if you've got a company that's producing a great blog, chances are somebody else is writing it for them and they may or may not be willing to share that with you. You can also look on Contently or LinkedIn or some of the other content or networking platforms for writers. Those are places that you can find people and then try them out. Let let a writer do a few pieces for you and if their style fits with your needs, then do some more.
1: What about the biggest mistake that ghostwriters should avoid?
2: Not meeting deadlines, I think. Uh, (laughs) You know, you can be the greatest writer in the world if you don't turn things in on time. You're not going to get more work. Ghostwriting jobs are tricky. So you understand what you're trying to accomplish in the beginning, the more likely you are to produce something that everybody is happy with.
0: I'm a little bit more curious about what kind of experience you think freelance writers are best served by. You know, going to university, getting a journalism degree, or just happen to be really talented at writing and knowing the right people. What would be your advice for a past someone who's really passionate about making this happen for themselves? It's really
2: hard to get started in any kind of freelance
0: writing. And
2: I'd say the best thing you can do is... Take what you've written, if you've written anything, an article or a blog or even your own stuff, and find publications or companies that will think it's relevant to what they do. As I was saying before, a good writer can probably write about anything, but editors and people who hire writers want people who've already written about this very specific topic. So, as I did in the beginning, you know, taking a training article and getting a job at Clean Rooms Magazine and then going to small. Small times and then I got a job at a food safety magazine because I wrote about food management in a clean room and and you know it evolved from there because I took every piece I wrote and thought about who else would think that this was relevant to what they do. That's a better way to find journalism jobs than ghostwriting jobs. Another good piece of advice is making sure all of those keywords are in your LinkedIn profile. If you combine writer with that topic, people are more likely to find you. God, when I started writing about blockchain, people started coming out of the woodworks that never would have contacted me before. You know, it's a it can be a tough job to break into, but, I think freelance writing and the amount of work that's available now for writers is huge compared to what it was 20 or 30 years ago. Yes, you don't get a staff job at a newspaper anymore, but as we've been talking about all day, there is so much more content being produced and so many more platforms for content to be shared. It's really creating a lot of new opportunities for writers. And I think that freelance writing is often considered, oh, it's risky and... You know, how are you going to make ends meet and pay your insurance? But for me personally, I have found it to be much more secure than being on staff at a specific magazine or on staff at a company. Um, I've had over my 20 year career, I've had magazines go out of business. I've had companies decide to take all their writing in house. And, you know, if that had been my only client, that would have been really devastating. But I just shifted my work, you know, so maybe instead of eight clients, I had seven. I reached out to them and said I had more space available or went looking for another client to fill that void. As a result, I've never
0: been in jeopardy financially from this work. I love that. Do you consider yourself an entrepreneur?
2: I mean... I guess I, you know, I do have my own business. I work full time as a freelancer. So I think of myself as a writer, but you could also think of me as a company that generates content. I don't think this is the right world for every writer. I have lots of colleagues and old friends from school who would never deign to ghostwrite blogs for, for executives. Um, they only want to write for know top journalism magazines or or newspapers or whatever and I get that but I love that I can sit at home and wear slippers for days and feed my family and pay my rent entirely from writing. I wanted to be a writer from the time I was a little kid and it's all I've ever done and it's all I've ever wanted to do so I feel really fortunate that I've been able to turn that into a career and I don't worry about where my next paycheck is going to come from. Yeah, well, this was fun. Always fun to talk about myself. Usually I'm talking about everybody else.
0: Yeah, Uh, that's true. That's kind of my hope because that's like the total ghostwriter thought, right? That like your entire career is being spent, as you said earlier, you don't need to know who I am. I'm just here to make you look good. Exactly. But that's, I mean, but that's the thing when you get someone on the phone and you ask them to
2: talk about their work, they get really excited about it really fast. So it's, it's easy to find good stories because people want to tell you their stories.
1: Our thanks to Sarah for joining us today. And of course, thanks to our listeners for tuning in to another episode of Not Your CEO's Insights. We'll catch you next time.